Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network. Sports Yak is powered by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets. It's football time. Fall. Broken bones. Cheerleaders. Hot dogs. Mascots. I miss my mommy. Are you ready for football? It's time to tailgate. Mascots are stupid. Time to break some bones. Touchdown. Corey Mann. Or is he a man? Maybe he's just a boy crying to his mother. Chuck Freebie. Is it really free? He gets a paycheck. Sports Yak. With Corey Mann. And somebody named Fremont or Freebie. Download wherever you download podcasts. That's kind of stupid. Where else would you go? Welcome to episode 135 of the Sports Yak. I'm Corey. That's Chuck. Welcome. Corey, this is the Joe Nuxall episode. Joe Nuxall. Joe Nuxall is the youngest person ever to pitch in a Major League Baseball game at the age of 15 during World War II. He was summoned by the Cincinnati Reds to pitch that season. He wound up becoming a longtime broadcaster with the Cincinnati Reds, and he was known as the old left-hander. He worked the games with Marty Brenneman, who's retiring this year, and uh, when Nuxie would sign off the post-game show, he'd say, this is the old left-hander rounding third and heading for home on the Cincinnati Reds baseball network. That feels like it should have been a movie. A 15-year-old out of the mound? 15-year-old. My goodness. Well, rookie of the year, but that's not the. That's this could be a true story. Oh, it is a true story. Yeah, you know, and also a true story on this date is the uh, the Hatterberg home run in the movie Moneyball. Yes, it is. Is that two thousand and two? Believe so. I think I jotted that down on our Oakland notes A's point. were red hot. They had won twenty in a row under the tutelage of an Art Howe and uh, Scott Hatterberg, played by Chris Pratt in the movie. Peter Quill, Star Lord. Uh, before he became a star, Chris Pratt plays the role of Scott Hatterberg, who was recruited by the Oakland A's to play first base, despite the fact that he had never played first base before. <laughs> I like that movie with Brad Pitt. I know you do. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, look, man, there was a lot of college football over this weekend. So how much did you watch? I listened to both Purdue and IU. Good lad. And I watched 
Notre Dame football with the pregame with one Chuck Freebie on the 16 News Now More Than Ever Now More Than <laughs> More Than You Know Now pregame show. They are home. Uh, okay, well, let's start back with Purdue. Heartbreak City. A little rough around the edges. You blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Now, I'll give Purdue credit, or or I guess you could give them blame somewhat, in that they were willing to go to Nevada and play this game. Uh, that said, there's no excuse for this team to blow a 14-point lead on the road. Uh, part of me wonders what was Jeff Brom doing in the fourth quarter throwing the football when you've got Xander Horvath, who had run it pretty well, the kid from Marion, uh, in the backfield, you know, take some time off the clock, get first downs. And what a gut punch for Purdue fans. Now, if you don't have a dog in this fight, the story for Nevada and their walk-on kicker yes. hitting a 56-yard field goal, getting carried off the field, getting to the locker room, and getting a scholarship. What a marvelous story if you're not a Purdue fan. <laughs> <laughs> there's that There's that one little that one little clothespin right there. So now Purdue's got to turn around. They play Vanderbilt on Saturday in West Lafayette. And that's not the easiest home opener. Now, granted, the SEC, I think, somewhat overrated as a conference. The top of the SEC is really, really good. Vanderbilt's not part of the top of the SEC. No, no, no. They're part of the dregs of the SEC, and the dregs of the SEC had a miserable weekend. We'll get into that in a little bit. Indiana beats Ball State 34-24. You listened to Don Fisher's call on Pulse FM. Uh, Your impressions from listening to the game of the Hoosiers. I tried to see if I could pinpoint the stars of the game, and it felt like I heard a couple names over and over again, but uh, it was hard for me not to be able to visualize it, too. I kind of wanted to watch. It was a nice Mm -hmm. day out, and I got all my chores done, but uh, I was happy for a win. I'm not a big Ball State fan. Uh, You know, we carry IU football here, so I I have a metaphorical dog in the fight. Yeah. And uh, and also from a broadcasting perspective, I kind of re-fell in love with Don Fisher. Oh, it's hard not to. So good. Yeah. Just he, a great broadcast voice, and the way he colors the game for you on the radio is good stuff. Logan Justice, the star of the game, he was the kicker for IU. He had four field goals in the game, wound up being the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week because of his performance. The jury's still out on Michael Penix at quarterback. I I see a lot of people writing and talking about the upside that he has and the plays that he is able to make. And and we talked about Penix a little bit in the preseason. The whole reason Tom Allen made this choice at quarterback, he is high risk, high reward. And I think you saw that or heard that somewhat in the game on Saturday in that Penix will make some plays that you shake your head and say, how in the world did he do that? He will also make some plays that make you shake your head and say, what in the world is he doing? And both were on display. Now, it's it's a fairly easy game, too, here for IU. They've got Eastern Illinois coming to the Rock on Saturday. Shouldn't be a problem for Indiana. 3.30 kickoff on 103.1 FM. 
Um, Notre Dame football. How much did you watch? I uh, fell asleep right at uh, Brian Kelly talking at halftime to the reporter. Okay. Woke up in the fourth quarter. All right. Fair enough. I mean. Watched your entire show from 7 to 8. Appreciate that. Uh, I had texted you if he was having a press conference. I had a question. I don't know if you would have asked it or not, but you know how I, I'm i kind of squirrely. He was, <laughs> he was wearing earbuds when he got off the bus in Louisville, Brian Kelly. Okay. You know, and you've got fans on the left and the right of you or, or whatever the contingency of people are. I'm curious what he was listening to and why he was listening to it. I think that's a valid question. You know, is it, is it music? Is it, you know. No, that's not. Yeah, that that might be something we could ask next week at his press conference. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about the football team. The Irish beat Louisville 35-17. I expected more from the offense, quite frankly. And my frustration from the off, from the offensive standpoint uh, was twofold. Number one, I thought Ian Book would play better than what he did. Unfortunately, there is a pattern of regression for second-year quarterbacks under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, and it goes throughout his entire decade at the University of Notre Dame. I can't think. Drill down a little bit more on that statement. So let's use Deshaun Kaiser as an example. Okay. Okay, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, Malik Zaire gets hurt in the Virginia game. Deshaun Kaiser comes off the bench. He leads Notre Dame to a uh, New Year's Day bowl and a victory. And uh, people feel really good about Deshaun Kaiser. And then the second year Deshaun Kaiser comes back, the Irish stink. They go 4-8. and eight. It's not all his fault, but a lot of it's his fault. Plays a huge role in He that. plays a role. And you see regression. And unfortunately, find me a quarterback at Notre Dame. Everett Golson, same thing happened. Malik Zaire uh, never was the same. Um, Brandon Winbush, did he have a good weekend? Brandon Winbush had a good weekend, but Brandon Winbush lost his job last year mm -hmm. to Ian Book by week four. It, it happens time and time again, and you just wonder... Is, is the system too complex? Does Brian get in their heads too much? Whatever the case, it looked like Ian Book just had so many wheels spinning in his head in that game that he couldn't just relax and go play. Yeah, it feels like, you know, there's there's this all this talk of, you know, if they would have won that game against Clemson, what would have happened? So there's just enormous pressure on getting back to that place again, and he's wearing that pressure on his shoulders. It's like, Dude, you're in college. You're one of the most popular quarterbacks in football. But, man, slow down and enjoy the game. The dude can run. Yeah. I was impressed with a couple of those runs. Uh, but, yeah, it just seemed like... What, 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 what. <laughs> now, the second part of the frustration, and, and some of this didn't become known until halftime. First drive of the game, we see a lot of Jafar Armstrong, and Jafar Armstrong helps the team go... Boom, 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 right down the field. And he was a player that you picked to watch this season, by the way. And then we don't see any of Jafar Armstrong the rest of the first half, and we learn that he has a groin injury or a groin area injury, as was told to us yesterday. 
I mean, the body's not that big. Come on. Can we define it a little bit? Then, okay, so Jafar Armstrong's not in there. And then drive number two is Tony Jones Jr. It's Tony Jones Jr. left. It's Tony Jones Jr. right. It's Tony Jones Jr. up the middle. And it's working. And he goes 76 yards in that drive alone. I mean, they're running it down Louisville's throat. And then what do we see, Corey, in the rest of the first half? Oh, let's throw the ball. Wait a minute. You're running it down their throats. Why on earth are you throwing the ball, especially when you're not throwing it effectively? So that was baffling to me in the first half. Are you throwing the ball because the coach wants you to get to a place where you're a team that throws the ball? Well, Is I th- that what's happening? I think there's an understanding that in order to beat Georgia, you're going to have to be effective throwing the ball. So okay. you're almost looking... You're almost looking at this like, we know we're going to win the game. And so you're treating it almost like a scrimmage. To work on the next. To work on things that you're going to need in the future. And I get that. Okay, Defensively, obviously the Irish defense gets shredded in the first quarter. I mean, Louisville's moving the ball at will. I thought Clark Lee made terrific adjustments after the first quarter. And they subdue Louisville, and they hold them to just three points. Now, let's remember, kids, before we get overly excited, there's two ways of looking at this. Yes, you've got a brand-new coach at Louisville and Scott Satterfield, and he's kind of throwing the kitchen sink at you a little bit in that first quarter. And you're seeing things that you probably weren't fully prepared for. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that. Let's also remember when we give praise for the adjustments for the final three quarters, you're also playing a Louisville team that went 2-10 and last year. I mean, this team is not replete with talent. The spread was 18.5 on the game. You won it by 18, so you kind of met expectations there. I will give Notre Dame credit for this. They opened the season on the road against a Power 5 team, and as you look up and down the list of the top 25, there weren't a whole lot of top 25 teams willing to do that, willing to go on the road. Now, Georgia did. Georgia went on the road, and they played Vanderbilt and handled them pretty well. Um, There were some neutral site games like Alabama against Duke at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and Oregon and Auburn, battle of ranked teams, played in Dallas. But there weren't that many of the big-name teams that actually went on the road for their openers. So I'll give credit to the Irish for that one, too. You have the home opener, and then you have a week off. No, 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 no. I mean, you you open the season. I'm sorry. Yeah, you've opened the season. You have a Saturday off. Then you have the home opener against a lousy New Mexico team. That'll be a cakewalk. Bringing back Bob Davey to town. Well, Well, maybe. Maybe, if he's over his chest pains or whatever the health incident was and then you have to go down to georgia and the question will be did those two games that you played against lesser caliber opposition prepare you or at least give you a chance to work out the kinks and get you ready for what you're going to face down in athens georgia on the 21st night of september well, uh, because of this podcast and our friendship, I think people have figured out that the quickest way to you is to go through me. Oh, really? So my phone was 
buzzing off the off uh, the charts over the weekend. What does Chuck think about Notre Dame this weekend? And it's like, I answered on your behalf. Let's see him play first. Let's see him play. What What are you going to see in practice? You know, you got to see right. him play. And um, and I tried to give a quick analysis before I went to bed Monday night online. Mm-hmm. And the quick analysis is kind of what I just said there. Uh, I expected more offensively, pleased with the defensive adjustments, huge improvement needed before you go to Athens on September 21st. Let's talk about college football in general because I mentioned the SEC. Mm -hmm. What a miserable Saturday the SEC had. Tennessee pays $950,000 to Georgia State to come to Knoxville and be cannon fodder for the volunteers. Tennessee is a 25-point favorite over Georgia State. There probably wasn't one single Georgia State player recruited by the University of Tennessee. And Georgia State handed them a fanny whooping in Knoxville. There is big trouble in Knoxville right now. But they weren't alone. Oh, no, they weren't alone. Mississippi loses at Memphis. How about uh, Missouri with their heralded quarterback, Kellen Bryant, the transfer from Clemson, losing at Wyoming? Not a good weekend for the Southeastern Conference. I don't want to hear how great this conference is. The top teams, Alabama, LSU, yeah, good teams. Rest of the conference, and and throw Georgia in, obviously, with Alabama and LSU. Rest of the conference, meh. I tried to put my eyes on the Michigan game for a while, but yeah, Playing Middle Tennessee. Yeah. It, now I know. They're going to turn around and say, yeah, Notre Dame's playing New Mexico. And they're right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not watching Michigan Middle Tennessee. Sorry. Michigan State, by the way. Pretty impressive numbers that they put up defensively. Now, they were playing Tulsa. Tulsa is not a Power 5 team, but Tulsa at least has a little bit of football tradition. Here are the numbers from that game Friday night, Corey. Tulsa, now remember, in college football, sacks count against your rushing yardage. So if you get sacked, that's considered a carry, and it's a negative yardage. Okay. So they had minus 73 yards rushing, Tulsa did. They had 80 yards in penalty. They threw for 153, which meant that the net would have made the defensive coordinator and remember the Titans proud because they got not a single yard against the Spartans. They'll remember the Spartans. Let's uh, switch over to high school football. New polls are out this week. In 5A, we got Valparaiso at number three. Concord is 5th, Elkhart Central is 7th, and Michigan City is 8th. The Wolves take a tumble after they lose to Warsaw 20-19 last week. I believe it uh, is Harrison Mevis is the kicker for Warsaw, and he booted a 51-yard field goal to win the game. It's the longest field goal made in the state this year, and he is a Division I recruit. Uh, by the way, Warsaw has Plymouth this week, the 100th battle between the Tigers and the Rockies. 
Class 4A, New Prairie, playing very well. They are third. They've got Andrean this week. Northwood, we saw Friday night, lose to Bishop Chittard on TV 46. The Panthers fall to ninth. Northwood plays Concord this week, battle of top 10 teams. That's over at Jake Field in Dunlap. We'll talk about it on Friday morning. It's been a house of horrors for Northwood over the years, but can the lessons they learned from playing Bishop Chittard help the Panthers as they go forward? We'll see. 3A Marion is sixth. We've got the Marion Knights taking on St. Joe on Friday night on TV 46 in the Holy War. Watch it live on Facebook at 7 and on the Big 4-6 Friday night at 11, Saturday morning at 9. Now, Marion has not been tested yet. They've played Clay and John Glenn, two really rebuilding programs. How good is life for the Marion Knights right now? Their third string running back is their leading rusher because of how many carries and how much time that he's been able to spend in the game. That said, they will face a St. Joe team that has played a couple of tough opponents in Concord and Northridge and come up short. The Indians are 0-2, but they're really trying to rally this family feeling this year and this week especially. And it's pretty easy for St. Joe to do because, well, they have a family on their team that has triplets. The Driscoll brothers, John, Pat, and Ryan, they all start on the team. And when I went over to St. Joe on Tuesday to watch practice, I talked to the Driscoll brothers and The third voice you'll hear is not a Driscoll brother. It's Luke Leonard, who sees himself as an honorary Driscoll brother. We're very close. Um, I mean, me and my brothers being triplets, we're we're best friends. And uh, ever since the season started, it's honestly, it's been the only thing we talk about at home. And my my mom's like, you guys want to talk about anything uh, besides football? And um, I think just growing up with them and now being able to play football with them it's it's really special oh my gosh it's a it's awesome you know uh, Ryan was hurt last year with an injury so and I didn't have the biggest role on the team either so this year um, we all have big roles and it's just an awesome feeling knowing that I have well my team's all brothers but I have my two literal brothers right there to help support oh my gosh it's it's the best because you know I'm at their house almost every weekend and we're always hanging out so you know we make jokes that I'm like the fourth triplet Leonard tries to tell me he's the honorary fourth is that true (laughs) yes it is true um you know I don't know where the red hair came from in the Driscoll family but he is the honorary fourth triplet I will give him that Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. But the second K is silent. So an interesting story there to keep an eye on during the game. Uh, but St. Joe have its hands full with a very talented and diverse bunch from Marion. This isn't the offense that Reggie Glan used to run at Marion. This is uh, a little more wide open, and uh, Maddox Begonia, that Marion quarterback, has been having some fun out there. Uh, We'll see the Knights and the Indians in the Holy War on Friday night. And then also in 2A, uh, LaVille is ranked number 7. They've got one of the top punt returners in the state in Andrew Dill. I went to the Penn-Laporte game, 33-6. 
And I was telling you off the air, heard a lot of Carson Mumaw. He's a friend of a friend of a yeah. friend, a son of a friend of ours. Yes. And he's uh, getting a lot of um, catches. And he's also the holder for the game. He's a junior this year and uh, loves playing and uh, sat with his mom and dad. They play Homewood Flossmore. Very solid team out of the state of Illinois. This is a very challenging non-conference part of the schedule that Corey Yeoman has put together. They opened with Valparaiso. We just told you about the rankings of Valpo. Uh, Laporte down, and Laporte has suspended its top, uh, I think, eight players for a couple of incidents outside of football. And then Homewood Flossmore this week for the Kingsmen and St. Xavier out of Ohio next week. And that's really a Midwestern power. Corey, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if Penn were at best 2-2, two and two, at worst 1-3, and three, entering the Northern Indiana Conference season. Tough schedule. It is. It's a very tough schedule. I don't know which one I'm going to. The boy likes to go to uh, his football games now, but I like to watch you guys do your thing. I went to the Holy War last year. It's a fun game to watch. It is. And you know what? That might be my favorite local field. I just love... Well, that's the St. Joe field. They're at Marion this year. Oh, they're at Marion? Yes. Oh, I've not been there. Yeah, they're at Marion this year. Off Dragoon or... Yes. Okay. Dragoon and Logan. Okay. Well, never mind. Maybe I'll go sit over the other one by myself. Where'd everybody go? Where do I go, Drunk Fravy? Sorry, I won't do that. You'd be lonely. I'd be lonely. Let's talk baseball. While your boy came back to the Cubs last night, Ben Zopris, but his return was not as good as Wilson Contreras, who in his very first swing of the bat, after coming off the injured list, takes one deep into the left field seats, helps set the tone. The Cubs beat the woeful Seattle Mariners by a count of 6-1. to one. Unfortunately, the Cardinals stay red hot, so St. Louis with a three-game lead on the Cubs in the division. The Cubs stay two and a half ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies in the wild card. I still think the Cubs will make the playoffs. I don't expect them to have a very long run in the playoffs, similar to last year. You tweeted the lineup last night. Uh, Drill down a little bit on that. Well, first of all, the fact that Zobrist was making his return to the starting lineup. Second base? Uh, he played at second base, yes. Okay. And then uh, the fact that Contreras was back in the lineup, I found uh, noteworthy as well. Mm-hmm. And they pointed out during the telecast last night, you know, Victor Caratini had been swinging a pretty hot bat. In fact, uh, last week in New York, he had a two-home run game for the Cubs. So it's going to be tough for Joe Madden to balance out the at-bats between Contreras, Caratini, and Lucroy as the Cubs go down the stretch here. But the key last night was the good pitching that they got out of John Lester. That helped a lot. Now the Cubs have a day off on this Wednesday, and then they go to Milwaukee for a big four-game series with the Brewers. The Brewers are trying to hang on for dear life here in this wild card race. And the Cubs, of course, hoping to find a way to be able to catch up with St. Louis in the NL Central. I heard that Ben uh, still used his Benny and the Jets walk-up music performed by his wife, now ex-wife, mm. but you couldn't hear it over the crowd. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, you got a standing ovation coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a beloved player in Chicago and always will be. That happens when you're the MVP of the first World Series that your team wins in 108 years. <laughs> mm. Hey, uh, pause button on baseball, uh, only because you said the announcers and it triggered something. I mean, grade Monday night's broadcast. From uh, ESPN? Yes. I thought Fowler and Herb Street did fine. 
you know, somebody was pointing out to me uh, yesterday, they were texting with me, and they said they they were watching the game with some people who thought that um, ESPN took a very pro-Louisville stance in the game. And, and I hear this from Notre Dame people all the time. They never feel like the Irish get the credit they deserve, especially when they're playing on the road. You have to understand, going into that game, everybody thought it was going to be a blowout. Mm-hmm. So when you have a game that you expect to be a blowout and all of a sudden the the underdog is showing some fire and some teeth and staying in it. There's a different storyline. Yeah, there's a different storyline. And, and as an announcer, all you want is a competitive game. Nobody, nobody enjoys doing blowouts. Mm-hmm. Trust me. You want the game to be competitive. So anytime the underdog shows some flash... I mean, I guarantee you, go back and watch my call of Edwardsburg and Dwajak last weekend. When Dwajak scores its touchdown and makes it a one-touchdown game, I mean, there's some life. Yeah. Uh, you know, now i got something to talk about. And I, I'm i pretty sure that's how Fowler and Herb Street felt going into this game was they were going to play that underdog thing as long as they could. And, and that's why they kept saying, oh, Louisville looks – and Louisville did look a lot better than the year before. There's no question about that. I mean, and so they're playing that part up. They'll see Notre Dame two or three more times during the season. And the fact that the Irish won the game by 18, that doesn't surprise anybody, does it? It's not like they were playing Clemson. Right. If Notre Dame had beaten Clemson by 18, then I guarantee you it would have been a lot different broadcast. Speaking of grading broadcasters, grade your performance on Monday night. Oh, wow. Well, I know what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I I felt pretty good about my performance on Monday night, quite frankly. I, I would agree. I, I, thought, I thought that I did a lot of things to kind of smooth over some rough edges. Um. And I know that sounds very egotistical and but like that's I'm your patting job. myself on the back. Well, that's the thing. It is my job. That's your so job is to that my you're the jo- conductor. Yeah. So that is my job. So I did my job, which shouldn't merit any mm-hmm. glory or anything like that. I mean, that's just that's why I'm there. That's why they pay me. How much uh and you know, you're you're reading off a prompter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Let's pull back the curtain. How much of the show did you go off prompter? to deal with what you were dealing with behind the scenes. Oh, you're you're editing. I mean, and and this is what I try to tell you, you like the little sportscasters camp thing. So this would be a sportscasters camp tip. Yes. It's a prompter. But it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to read everything word for word. It is to prompt you to say Now, there are some things that you have to hit the words on in order for the director or somebody to know that that's the cue to roll the tape or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's it's merely a prompter. It's merely there to kind of lead you to this idea or lead you to this phrase. Mm -hmm. So Almost like a set list at a concert. It could be one word just to prompt you to get into this idea or into this package. Yeah, now most of the time, I'm reading word for word what's okay. on the prompter most of the time, but there you were write some, that? Uh, I write some of it, not all of it. Okay, uh, but there were some things we had some technical difficulties, and so I was reading some scripts that 
the person in Louisville, Mark School Jr., was originally supposed to be reading, mm-hmm. and I wound up reading them because we didn't have the feed from Louisville. Yeah. So as I'm reading those, obviously I'm throwing out the parts where he's tossing it back to me, and or I'm amending them to be more of my style of reading or writing. But that can be done on the fly. And again, I've got an excellent producer in the back. Tom Cullen Jr. has been producing this show now for 21 years at WNDU. Countdown to kickoff. Mm -hmm. So he knows what he's doing. And he's excellent about communicating in my ear, we're changing this, we're doing this, and giving me enough notice and, and, you know, Sometimes it's only going to be 10 seconds, but at least giving me enough notice where, okay, I can take a glance at this and say, and have an idea when I look up in that camera, even though the words are all there, that I'm not just reading the words. I'm trying to connect to you as the viewer. Okay. Well, if if they ask you for any feedback, I liked the local NBC affiliate in Louisville giving his take on the team. You're the second person to note that for me. And, um... I agree, and that was that for me was the scariest segment because had that gone down, I have to be honest, I hadn't studied Louisville that much, mm-hmm. so I didn't really have all that much to say about the Cardinals. Yes, uh, so I'm glad the, that that segment worked. But yes, I I found that informative. Yeah, I if you want to break down the whole show, I I like the piece on the nuns. I, I thought that was a, I'm not one for soft features, but yeah. I thought that was an enjoyable piece. Yeah, I agree. And uh, apparently a lot of people like my Oreo references. When uh, I was talking yes. about the Notre Dame defense. Needs they, to be more in the middle? It, it, it kind of it put it into a perspective that everybody could understand. Yeah, because you've got your super fans, your common fans, your you know spouses walking in and out of the room well, fixing that, dinner and... that's that's the balancing act of that whole show yeah is that Notre Dame football brings this whole gamut of people together you've got people that they don't know anything about football but they just like the experience of watching and yeah. in community and then you've got people that are out there that are just the diehards and and panting with every you know recruiting move and things like that and you're trying to find a show that appeals to both ends of that spectrum. Yeah, and you're doing it. There was some footage, some B-roll of uh, Ian working out, and I noticed like his legs, how muscular they were. Mm-hmm. It made sense to me when he took off a couple of times. Like yeah. Obviously, he's been having some leg days, and they paid off. Matt Bayless, the strength and conditioning coach, has done a marvelous job helping transform this Notre Dame team, and I think it showed up last year as you saw this team able to pull away from teams yeah. in the fourth quarter. and Enough juice for the whole game. Yeah, because that was the argument on the Irish in the previous years. They were they would get to the fourth quarter and fade. Mm-hmm. All right. Baseball, back to it real quick. White Sox edge the Indians 6-5. The interesting thing, the only interesting thing about that game from my standpoint, and maybe maybe if you're a White Sox fan, you would like to hear more about it, but uh, Carlos Carrasco is a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. He has had a battle with leukemia this season, 
and he returned to the mound at Progressive Field in Cleveland for the first time last night. Now, he had been in a game over the weekend against Tampa Bay, and when he came in against Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay dugout came out and gave him a standing ovation. And then last night at Progressive Field, as he comes home to the home field and takes the mound for the first time in relief, the uh, Cleveland fans gave him a standing ovation and well-deserved. Uh, Tigers lost again. <laughs> I watched. I actually watched a good chunk of tennis uh, Sunday. I like the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open has always been my favorite tennis tournament to watch. There is a vibe that you get mm-hmm. in New York City, and especially at night, the night matches at New York City, that are unlike any other tennis tournament on TV. Kind of rock starish. It is. Yeah, it is, and they do it upright. They do it upright with the intros and the and bringing people out. And yeah, there's there's just something that they're able to create a buzz with that tournament. And Federer loses last night. He's 38 years old. You wonder if the tank is just about running out. Uh, Rafael Nadal will play tonight. Uh, Serena just absolutely obliterated her opponent last night 44 minutes to win and get on into the semifinals and i honestly i find it hard to believe anybody's gonna stop her in this run this year but then again we thought that last year when naomi osaka was able to beat her so we'll see but it is of the four majors that is my favorite tennis tournament to watch i watched uh the number six german six foot six lose to the number 20 at five foot six, yeah, that little guy. But uh, and that was a three-hour match. Um, do those do those arenas just sit empty the rest of the year? Those are very tennis specific, right? Yeah, they are. Now I think that the U.S. Tennis Association uh, tries to get some other events in there, but yeah. it's it's not like U.S. Open week. No. I'm curious if they hold any concerts there because it is a cool venue. Yeah, it is. Boy, it'd be a weird. I think that'd be a weird atmosphere for a concert. Is it full? Is it a bowl? Is it a full it's, bowl? It's a bowl, and it goes. It kind of goes straight up. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. I have to Google to see if they do any uh, concerts there. If they'd actually put something there, what the stage would look. Maybe it's a in the round kind of place. A lot of bands are doing that these days. Well, that would it would be an in the round type of place, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. We'll see. We've hit on everything, Chuckles. We have not because you went to a movie yesterday. Yes. Two thumbs up on Peanut Butter Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon. What is this? So you got a young man, 22-year-old, with Down syndrome living in an assisted living facility with old people. Mm -hmm. They don't really give you the behind the scenes of how he got there, but he has been dumped there. Yeah. And he's living there. Makes friends with a young female who works on the staff there. And he loves to watch the saltwater redneck professional wrestler. Oh, the saltwater redneck. And he's got wrestling tapes that he watches in his room with his roommate. And the saltwater redneck has a wrestling camp that you can come down to and learn how to wrestle. What Zach doesn't understand is those tapes are 20 years old. Oh, so he tries to escape this assisted living facility a couple times. He finally gets out, and he's on the run with Shia LaBeouf, who's got his own problems. <laughs> well, that's true life story, isn't it? Yeah, and they hit it off. It's a great friendship, and it kind of reminded me, Chuck, of a Mark Twain 
adventure. Mm-hmm. They get on a raft and they head down okay. to the Florida Keys. And uh, I tell you what, I got so wrapped up in it, I literally forgot to drink my soda the entire movie. I was so just taken aback by how good this young man with Down syndrome knocked the ball out of the park. And the story's great. And uh, there's little things that kind of set you up for what's about to happen, you know, in the third act. And it's a great movie. I'll buy it. I will buy it the day it comes out. Now, is it a movie that I have to see on the big screen? No, it is not. Okay. No. But it's a good, refreshing, in the midst of all the big CGI either hits or misses of this year, it's one of those ones that kind of sneaks in under the radar and it's a it's a great feel good. I'd show it in school. Is there a falcon? No, he uh, Shia LaBeouf's character says, "Dude, if you're going to be a professional wrestler, you've got to come up with an alias." Oh, okay. And so one night while they're having some homemade moonshine from a from a friend down the road, uh, Zeke decides that he is the falcon and he's standing up and he's the falcon, but they only have peanut butter to eat, so he's I'm the peanut butter falcon. And he's smearing it on his face, and he's getting okay. ready. And um, I don't want to give too much away. Well, but no, and I didn't want you to. I just wanted to know if there was an actual falcon. I was it. I was surprised with the ending of when they finally catch up with the wrestlers. So let me ask you this. Yes. Does the ending make you think? Yes, it does. Not like Charlie's Angels, but it does make... By the way, there was a Charlie's Angels trailer at the beginning of this movie. Oh, really? There's another reboot coming out. Are you sure the movie isn't 20 years old? I'm telling you. Are you sure you're not not confused like the young man in the movie and that this movie is actually 20 years old and you just went to see it? No, the trailer did not make me think. That ending will make you think. Oh, my gosh. We got to have Sean tell us that story just to hear him. You know, tell I um, has he has he ever told d- it to you? I'm doing a spot on Sportsbeat tonight. Are you really? I might have to bring that up. Oh, what time's that at? Uh, six ten. Okay. Oh, I'd love to. That ending a bit. <laughs> oh, he'll know. He'll know. He'll uh, know. I, I may I may throw in. Hey, Sean. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly how this is going to go. Okay. We'll we'll get to the end. They'll ask me if I have anything more, and I'll I'll promote the 46 game of the week, and I'll say, hey, Sean, by the way, our mutual friend Corey went to see a movie yesterday that he thought you'd appreciate, Peanut Butter Falcon, and he says the ending will really make you think, and we'll we'll see what kind of reaction we get from Mr. Styers on the air. <laughs> Sports yak? We'd be able to promote that. Uh, the podcast will get mentioned at some point. Okay, good. Because <laughs> you got to take what you can get. Well, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's not like we don't have promos running on the radio station here. I, I like when they give you a really long intro. I'm a big fan of that. Are you? Speaking Sportscaster of, of the year. Yeah. Father of 10. Mm-hmm. Husband to an amazing... Father of 10. Wait a minute. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Okay, sorry. What were you going to say? Speaking of... Uh, of promotion and advertising do we have one to read right now yes we do okay you've been listening to sports yak brought to you by notre dame athletics experience the excitement of cheering the fighting irish onward to victory tickets for notre dame athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets well that about does it for this episode 
Yes, it does. The Joe Nuxall episode. Now for the old left-hander. Are you a left-hander, by the way? Uh, No, I draw with my right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for the young right-hander, this is the old <laughs> left-hander, round and third and headed for home, saying, Ooga Luga, Heine Manoush. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.